Welcome to Be A Leader, a series that we, where we look at leaders and we talk about them, dissect them and try to get some insights on leadership from them. I'm Roshan Tirin and you know, today I was thinking really hard, what should we speak about and who should we talk about? And, and you know, I always remember when I was a kid, um, I, I don't know if you have the same feeling, where, where the whole family would kind of sit together and, and there's one episode that we really, really liked, or one TV series that we really liked. It's called The Wonderful World of Disney. And everybody is like, ah, oh, Wonderful World of Disney. And then every episode, right, was always inspiring, always filled with, with so much excitement, dreams, and, and this promise of the wonder of Disney. And, you know, as, as a young boy growing up, I was always thinking, wow, one day I'm going to visit Disneyland. I'm going to experience this magical land. And then many years later, I think it was 19 when I moved to the United States and I, I actually realized that dream uh, and got to see um, this promise of Disney, that, that magical kingdom. And when I was there, it was, you know, you, you had this fabulous feeling that, wow, there was this great promise. And somehow, when you went to Disneyland, that promise seemed to have translated pretty well. You always wonder, how come some companies promise the world, but are never able to give you what they promise, you know, that the, the promise is always smaller than the, the reality. Uh, but Disney is interesting, right? And you know, when I was young, I always thought Walt Disney was uh, a, a company. Uh, never realised it was a person. And, and and every young person, every young girl, I remember, even my daughter, right, to, to some extent now, is like, all dream of becoming a princess. And and it's interesting, if you if you look at Walt Disney, that person, you know, as I got to, you know, reading about, about him and trying to understand, wow, uh, this guy, Walt or Elias Disney, and Elias is his father's name actually, is best known for Mickey Mouse, right? The, the Everyone knows Mickey Mouse. It's permeated every single culture, every single country, right? I mean, we, we all grew up, uh, at least many of us did, with Mickey Mouse. In fact, my kids uh, also, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and, and all these wonderful uh, characters that were created by this guy. And Walt, right, together with his brother Roy, they actually not only created a company called Disney, they actually changed the world through animation and ultimately Disneyland, the happiest place on earth was created. So let's talk a little bit about Walt Disney. Walt Disney was born to this guy Elias Disney and, and that's how his name is Walt Elias Disney. And uh, Elias actually moved out with his family to California to search for gold. But he ended up, you know, kind of disappointed and ultimately became a farmer. Even at an early age, Walt developed this real love for drawing. He didn't just draw stuff, he actually sold his drawings to his neighbours to earn money. And, you know, Walt Disney kind of dropped out of high school. He joined the army. In the army, it was interesting, he was an ambulance driver. So he'd go around driving an ambulance. And, you know, sometime after that, at the age of 19, he started his first commercial company. It was called iWorks Disney. So the i uh, with iPhones and all, actually. You know, Disney had the i company first. It was iWorks Disney Commercial Artist. But very soon after, it went bust. And this is where Walt decided, I needed a real job. And he ended up working in an ad company. I, I think there's a lot of stories about this that Walt Disney was actually fired for being not creative enough. So here's the guy who ultimately becomes one of the most creative geniuses in the world. He gets fired for being not creative enough. So he lost his job in this real world and then he decided, okay, maybe I need to start another company. So he started another company, Laughogram. This also went bankrupt. So here's a guy who's like, okay, I tried this, it didn't work. I got fired from my job. I started another company, it went bankrupt. But for whatever reason, he never quite gave up. He went to Hollywood now and he started working on something else and he created this thing called the Alice Comedies and uh, he started to gain some traction here. He continued to face a lot of failures and a lot of setbacks and he finally created what he called the Mortimer Mouse character. His wife, Mortimer sounds so boring. Come on, you gotta stop using the word Mortimer. Change it to Mickey. 
and, and ultimately that's how Mickey Mouse came about. And at that time, the most popular show was Felix the Cat. Um, and Mickey Mouse outdid the cat. But in spite of that, he continued to struggle. He, he actually won his first Academy Award in, in 1932 and created new characters like Goofy and Donald Duck, but nothing really broke through for Disney. His big breakthrough actually came in 1937 when he created this movie called Snow White and the Seven Duas. But that caused a lot of financial issues because Walt was always chasing the impossible. He was always trying to do something that was not done before. He had this dream, right? He wanted to create the happiest place on earth. But in spite of that dream, there were a lot of little things that were happening that was distracting him. One was this uh, guy called Charles Mintz. Now, this is a big film distributor. He actually stole the rights to Oswald the Rabbit. Now, this was the character that first put uh, Disney Brothers on the map. Not only he stole Oswald the Rabbit, he then hired away his top animators and just left them for dry, right? So again, they had to brush off all their disappointments and keep persevering. You know, he never gave up. He kept doing that, rolling up his sleeves, getting his hands dirty. You know, if you look at all the things he did, right? Okay, so Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was one success story. Mickey Mouse is another one. But when you start looking at Steamboat Willie, for example, you know, he actually created the first ever animated film that synchronized sound. He then created the first animated film to use three-strip Technicolor. He then developed a two-story tall multi-plane camera uh, that will be later adopted by everyone. So he, he made the first film with Fanta Sound. This is an early surround sound-like system. He also was the first with CinemaScope, right? This is the widescreen technology. He was the first uh, color TV program, right? He was the first guy to kind of drive audio and animatronics robots, right? Uh, and he was never satisfied. He was always tinkering, always fiddling with new things, always seeing how to, to kind of stretch the capability of what can be done and what can be pushed and what can be newly created and how he can do something better. One was this, this curiosity, this thirst to succeed. But the other is this ability to never know when to give up to always keep going on his optimism and imaginative you know anything that was impossible seemed possible as i started to explore walt's life i started to realize there's actually a secret behind his success there was actually a process for driving creativity innovation and imagination we're going to take a short break right now we'll be right back here and we're going to explore how walt created a process to constantly innovate create and imagine and drive innovation to the next level. Ever wondered what leadership is all about? Is it developed over time? Or are people just born with it? We believe there is a science behind leadership and we want to help you understand it. Take this journey with us as we hear from renowned leaders from all over the world over our range of shows tackling key spaces in different industries today. Leaderonomics, the science of building leaders. Welcome back to Be A Leader. I'm Roshan Tiran and, you know, we are looking at the life of Walt Disney. So we were just talking a little bit about his early life and all the struggles and all the pain that he went through. And what was interesting to me was that Walt had actually a process of how to constantly innovate, how to constantly be creative and how to constantly be imaginative. I mentioned before that Walt Disney was one person and not a company. But actually, I was wrong. Actually, Walt Disney was three people. Because when you look at the life of, of Walt and when you study it, Walt always believed that inside of him, there's actually three different Walts. Here's what he said. There's actually three different Walts, right? The first Walt is a dreamer. The second Walt is a realist. And the third Walt is a spoiler. We term this secret the three chairs secret. So his secret was that 
I'm Walt Disney, but inside of me, there are three people. And so he had three chairs that he placed in his office, which he never moved. And here's what he did. So each chair was actually anchored to three different mental states or mental perspectives. And he actually gave names to these chairs, right? So the first chair he named the dreamer. Now this was a visionary chair where Walt would just sit down and when he sat in his chair, it was always about dreaming the, about the future. Now the second chair was what he called the realist chair. Now this was a pragmatic chair where Walt would now look at the dream and start to say, okay, if I were to make this dream a reality, what do I need to do? I need to define a plan. I need to figure out an execution methodology. I need to figure out how to make this happen. And so he'd sit on this chair and he tried to make the dream possible. Now the third chair is very interesting. Now this is a critic chair where he sits down and he looks and questions and criticizes and finds all kinds of loopholes and problems. This is a stupid dream. Come on, that's not realistic. And come on, this plan won't work. This will fail because this will happen and this will cause this bad thing to happen and there's no way. And then he writes down all these things. Now when he does these three phases, he then takes these three things and he starts to go to his team and said, hey, here's the dream, here's how to make it happen and here's what's going to go wrong and here's how you need to go and execute and make this happen and somehow go around making this happen. We hear all these leadership gurus, come on, live your passion, go follow your dreams, you know, create the life that you want. You get all these cliches, right? All these motivating, you know, theoropathic crap uh, that always give us false hope. Wow, we have a dream. Yes, I have that dream. But I think what Walt did very well was, yes, you can have that dream, but you must have a sense of reality. You must believe that here's how I take that dream and make it alive. I, I love this quote from Henry Ford. He points out, right, if you believe you can or you believe you can't, you're right. However, believing you can achieve a dream does not guarantee success. Walt Disney actually found an approach that combines being a dreamer and a realist in this three chairs exercise. And he calls this imagineering, uh, a term combining the words imagination and engineering. And this is really about these three chairs. A lot of this is uh, detailed in the book by Robert Diltson. Robert Diltz actually wrote a book called The Strategy of Genius. He says, creativity as a total process involves the coordination of these three sub-processes, dreamer, realist, and critic. A dreamer without a realist cannot turn ideas into tangible expression. A critic and a dreamer without a realist just become stuck in perpetual conflict. The dreamer and the realist might create things, but they might not achieve a high degree of quality without a critic. A critic then helps to evaluate and refine the products of creativity. So now, you know, we know Walt Disney was a dreamer and he never stopped dreaming new possibilities and creating new, new things, right? So he understood possibilities uh, were only limited by our imagination. But I think one of the things that helped him dream was that he resented limitation. Quote from one of the sayings of Walt, I can never stand still. I must explore and experiment. I'm never satisfied with my work. So Walt Disney, the dreamer, would actually visualize extraordinary scenarios in his chair. You know, today we have this thinking outside the box. But I, th I think Walt would say, no, don't think outside the box. You know, once you say that, you're establishing there's a box. Look, don't believe there's a box. And then once you've done that, we go to the second phase, the realist, right? So once you've spent enough time in then, then you go over to the realist chair. And I think the realist is pragmatic and practical. The realist asks, how in practice could we make this dream work? Walt would begin the process by asking some really hard questions about 
the dream that he crafted, right? So, hey, what kind of resources do I need to make this dream happen? You know, that could be a question. How will I fund it? You know, how long will this take? Who's going to help me make it happen? You know, what kind of ob obstacles will I face? You know, how will I overcome them? So I think when in this realist chair, Walt actually would start to focus on action. He would feel out the idea. He became the idea, the story, the character, the solution. You see, when you're in the dreamer chair, you assume anything can be done, right? But when you're in the realist chair, you start to think, how can this be done? You know, Paul Dunn uh, kind of explains it uh, quite nicely. If Walt and his team were working on a new roller coaster, like Space Mountain, they imagine what it would feel like to be sitting in the roller coaster as it raced down each winding turn, slowly climbed each steep incline, rapidly dropped down each descent. They noticed how the seats and the strap felt on their bodies. They heard the sounds of the roller coaster and saw the lights flashing as they coursed through the whole ride in their minds. The realists filled in the blanks of the original idea created by the dreamer. What believe our work must first have a foundation of fact. We cannot do fantastic things unless we know what is real and what is not. And when he considered the dream, he studied it saying we must know everything about it. And that's being a realist. Now we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back here with the third piece, the spoiler and the critic, and what these three chairs could imply for us in business and for us in life. Ever wondered what leadership is all about? Is it developed over time? Or are people just born with it? We believe there is a science behind leadership, and we want to help you understand it. Take this journey with us as we hear from renowned leaders from all over the world, over our range of shows, tackling key spaces in different industries today. Leadernomics, the science of building leaders. Welcome back to Be A Leader, and we're looking at the life of Walt Disney and specifically zooming into a practice that he used to employ for himself, which he called the three chairs. And we talked a little bit about the first piece being a dreamer, chair number one, and also chair number two, the realist. And now let's zoom in a little bit to chair number three, the spoiler or the critic. The focus on this chair was on why. Why do we do it this way? Why do we do it at all? You know, what's the point of this? I know this plan is not going to work because of this, 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 right? So Walt actually subjected every piece of work that he worked on. So he may have spent a couple of hours dreaming, a couple of hours, you know, trying to make this dream practical and, and a reality uh, in the second chair. Now he actually subjected every piece of work that he just worked on to rigorous scrutiny. Quote him on this, he claims that every foot of rough animation was projected on the screen for analysis and every foot was drawn and redrawn until we could say this is the best we could do. That's really the role that this critic plays. The critic plays a key role in finding loopholes, things that might go wrong and uncovered issues that the dreamer and the realist fail to spot. The devil is in the details and then we have the details but there's more devils in, even in the details, right? Because as we go in, there's always obstacles that we fail to see. There's always problems that are going to surface that we fail to acknowledge. And it's essential for us to actually spot these gaps before we start to face them. And I think what Walt did really well is that he was able to spot some of these gaps so that he could fix them before the audience or before his viewers or before, you know, the folks that visited Disneyland could, could see these errors. Some other questions, right, that Walt would ask sitting on his critic chair would be questions like, hey, what's the weakness of this plan? You know, does this plan really work? 
you know, does this really make me happy? Will a customer really be pleased? How would it look like to an expert in this field? What would an expert in the field say to this? You know, what could be some problems that arise from these plans that we, we may not be looking at? Now, is this the best we can do? The spoiler actually critically evaluates the work of a realist and, and, and a dreamer. Walt actually knew that everyone who wanted to be a successful innovator needed to learn to be critical about the work that they do. Here's what he said, actually. We were growing through self-criticism and experiment. Each year, we could handle a wide range of material, attempt things we could not have dreamed of tackling a year before. I claim that this is not genius or even remarkable. It is the way people build a business or a sound business of any kind. To me, right, his three chairs is why his business was sound. So what does that mean for us? How do we leverage the three chairs for ourselves? Now, I talked about Robert Ditch, right, who wrote that book and who studied Walt for many, many years, right? He actually came to this conclusion about the three chairs in terms of an application for us. Quote from Robert Ditz in his book, right? I found this strategy very useful, not just in my own planning, but in coaching people as well. It's helped me understand that it's not because people are unrealistic or wishy-washy or cynical, it is that they lack enough different perspective to see things from. If we aspire to be innovators, I know you know a lot of companies, innovation is the name of the game. Um, in a lot of business, hey, we are all very productive. There's no differentiator. But if we aspire to be innovators, the key is perspective. Uh, the firm that, that's very innovative, IDEO, right? They have this perspective of having 10 different perspectives. Get yourself into 10 different roles and you look at a, a certain problem in 10 different ways. You know, that's kind of complicated. I think what Walt had was a very simple three perspectives that help to bring your project to a whole new level. Dream the impossible, then make the dream possible, then see if the critic in you can shred your work finding the final flaws in your project. One of the saddest things was that Walt Disney died before Disney World in Florida was completed. You know, on the launch day in 1971, someone commented to Mike Vance, the creative director of Disney, isn't it too bad Walt Disney didn't live to see this? And, and here's how Vance replied, right? He said, hey, 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 wait a minute. Yes, he did see it. That's why it's here. And I think that's the beauty of what Walt Disney did. He saw it, right? He shredded it and he saw it again and he shredded it and he saw it and he shredded it and he saw it and, and then he made it happen how it could happen. Nobody else would have done it because nobody else would shred their work. Work that you painstakingly work, work that you put your blood in for, right? Your, your tears and sweat and you're able to shred it and take it to the next level. You know, the more I explore Walt Disney, the more amazing leader I find. He loved people, including his employees and his family. He was a great teacher, right? And I find many of the great leaders that I respect and admire are great teachers. One of his employees, Blaine Gibson, recalls, you know, Walt had more confidence in us as artists than we had in ourselves. I'm a sculpture now, but I used to be an animator and I loved it. I didn't want to leave animation and go work in the theme parks. But Walt saw me as a sculptor and he sold me on it. He made me believe I could. He gave us the confidence to do things we never imagined were possible. And I think Walt kept single-mindedly towards the vision he set out. But I think most importantly is Walt Disney understood and embraced this process of innovation. He knew that in order to continue to be progressful and, or, or to push forward and be successful, he needed to have a process on innovation. He needed to enable it to be sustainable, to be scalable, that everybody in the organization understood this, this is how we did innovation. And even when he left, Innovation was not just Walt Disney. Disney continued to be one of the most innovative, one of the most creative, 
one of the most optimistic, one of the most interesting and inspiring companies. This imaginary process or this three chairs exercise ensured that what he built into Disney was not just about Walt Disney and his dreams. It was a process to ensure that we dreamt, that we were realists, but also in terms of enabling us to be able to criticize, make it better, destroy and rebuild. You know, it, it fascinates me that, that Walt and Roy, his brother, operated at the very age of financial ruin so many times. They risked everything they had time and time again. When many of us would have said, let's play this one safe. Had he just been a dreamer, such financial risk-taking would have ended up much differently. Had he just been practical, you know, he would not have pushed the boundaries of innovation and the boundaries. And had he just been a critic, nothing would have moved, right? He was all three. And I think we all need to look at the way we drive innovation in our organizations, the way we do stuff, and have three chairs. And we too should become Imagineers, just like Walt Disney. And we too should embed a process of Imagineering in our organizations and in our lives. You've been listening to Leadernomics FM, the science of building leaders.